Straight out of Shumway. Sitting in with the sheriff tonight, baby. Local 666-269 podcast. Shout out, of course, to White Bat Audio. Royalty-free music on YouTube. Here's our 80s horror synthwave mix. All right. Let's get to the palava, ladies and gentlemen. Ah. <sighs> Today was just kind of one of those days, as old Papa Perdurst we used to say, right? Yeah. I wanted to talk about Metal Lords. I actually watched a movie that wasn't in Japanese last night. <laughs> that's that's where I'm at finally. I've been hyper fixated for, geez, maybe the last three months on getting through all of these Japanese samurai movies, of course, with Zatoichi. All the movies, all the series, um, even the Shin Zatoichi, the new series. Uh, I have just been balls deep in samurai movies when I watch something. And, and a lot of it has to do with, you know, what's going on. And it's an easy way to sort of deprogram myself from my own, my own sort of coordinates in this culture, I suppose. But... Uh, I've got a huge queue of things that I want to watch and I just, just haven't been in the mood for it. And so, you know, that's, that's the blessing and the curse of the superpower of the new neurodivergent, you know, superpowers of the neurodivergent. That's what I want to say is that, uh, you know, of course now my Japanese is better, but <laughs> I'm missing out on some other stuff. All right. Metal Lords, uh, is on Netflix and it was filmed in Portland. I kind of got the feeling just by looking at some of the places in the movie. I said, well, this has got to be somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. So I'm, I'm pleased to see that it was done in Portland. Um, this is a movie for anybody that is or has been in the band geek mafia. And so anybody that was in marching band or pep band um, to get out of PE, this is your movie. This is your flick. Anybody that uh, went to high school back in the day, that was your option. You could go to go to PE, or you could join marching band. Especially in California, it's a part of their part of their their you know curriculum, whatever the requirement, right? You got to have some physical activity in high school. Uh, I went both routes, obviously, um, starting out, of course, in PE, and then uh, being too weird to be any, uh, around any of those kind of guys, and I I didn't like it very much, and so the someone suggested marching band, and I said, okay, why not? So, uh, yeah, if you love music and you love metal and you understand what it's like to be maybe one of two or two of, of the only sort of loners or freaks in your, in, your, in your school or in your social situation, this is the flick for you, yeah. We all love good underdog movies anyway because we all relate. You know what it's like to be on the outside or the outlier in this case. But Metal Lords... Um, it's funny. There's a lot of little things in there that, that will be endearing to people that have gone through this kind of experience and understand um, about it. So I, I think about some other movies kind of like this, which are also uh, very sort of charming and endearing. And um, I think that uh, D.B. Weiss, who, who, who did the screenplay, and then uh, Peter Soleil, who directed it, they did a great job. And, and the character uh, performances from uh, J.D. Martell and and Adrian Greensmith in Isis, Isis uh, Hemsworth, which makes me wonder, is she, uh, she's one of them Hemsworthers? 
Uh, let me see. Let's find out. Confirm that. I guess we could. Yeah. Shit. Anyway, uh, good performances. Uh, just, just fun. Again, it's not going to be for everybody, and that's okay. It doesn't have to be, um, but it's it's for us. And that's the thing that matters is that we find little things for us, for our gang. Support your local ghoul gang. <laughs> oh, well. The thing about being sort of a leper in that situation, I don't know how else to put it. You know, as I mentioned previously, there's a great article that was written in the Atlantic a while back about how high school never ends. And um, even looking back 30, 35 years at this situation, and, and obviously it was updated for modern times, you know, the, the themes still sort of prevail. We definitely have sort of a social system. Um, it's a, a caste system of status and so forth that's in place. Um, where we line up on that, I guess it just depends. We, we now see that the, the major battles are not in, in sort of the popularity of, of the battle of the bands or whatever it may be to, to, to put you forward at that time of your adolescence. You know, the battle is done here on these kind of platforms, on social media. Uh, that's, that's where the, the digital natives make their bones these days. So... If there was something exciting to be done in the background or whatever else in real life, you know, it's only to produce content for being on the platform, whatever that may be. Which is unfortunate because I think I think we have to get back to the joy of doing things uh, without having to document them. And this is me talking to myself in this case because I obviously like to document everything. But again, that's I think that's also. Uh, one of the peripheral effects of being neurodivergent um, and this sort of hyperfixation or or just in these grooves that we get into. And the documentation for me is another way that I deal with time blindness. Um, because time blindness sometimes means that uh, things slip by me and slip past me. And I'll have trouble sort of maybe having full recall. And so I do do a lot of, I do do, I make a do-do. I do do in the boo-doo. I do, I do like to document a lot of what is going on in my life as little signposts to myself. The other aspect of, of time blindness is the fact that, you know, part of me is sort of living outside of time or sort of unstuck in time. Um, and, and that also causes some difficulty. So having, having the receipts, as they say, having some sort of documentation, whether it is on social media, video, photos, whatever it may be, um, is helpful for me sometimes to reframe things, especially when I come back around, uh, to this point. And so I can have some coordinates, um, to try to understand the situation. So it makes sense to me in that case. Um, the real point in this is that we should get back to doing things that we enjoy for the sheer pleasure that they bring, as opposed to, 
I've got to do this because it's going to look cool on social media. It's going to look, you know, dope. Just focus on doing something that's dope for yourself. That is not for for the gram. You're not doing it for the likes. You're not doing it for the numbers or the comments or whatever. You're doing it because you like to do it. It's probably my other interest on the dark side these days as well because the documentation is somewhat narrow in, in scope because it's still a very private uh, experience. But granted, there's, there's tons of, uh, you know, fetish sites and so forth online that are available, that content's available, but it's, uh, it's usually somewhat protected or even commodified to the point where people really have to make a decision about that. When it comes to this, this nonsense that I think that's going on with some of these platforms um, and their double standards for content generation and protection, obviously it's, the game is always engagement for them and they want to make sure that uh, people remain engaged. Um, and so aside from providing content, we're producing content for them which allows them to resell or brand it and commodify it to uh, advertisers and, and other users and so forth. And now they're kind of jumping into uh, sort of being the middleman uh, for tipping and exchanging and selling products and they get a piece of that as well. So it's, it's a pretty, pretty crafty trap in that sense. And so, there's that unwillingness, I think, to split some of these platforms into for those that are uh, maybe minors, maybe that are uh, under 18 years old or under whatever it might be, I guess. You know, there should be probably a G-rated platform, a PG-13 rated platform, and a uh, R-rated, and then probably definitely there's X-rated. We know it's adult platforms. Um, so the apprehension, of course, is, is the ID verification. And I understand some of the arguments that I've heard already, which makes sense to me now, especially for some people that are using the platforms to promote um, their their brand, their personal brand as, as a sex worker or SW, as they like to say, because I can't even say the, the full word. Um, and, and having their ID on file for some people could be problematic for safety issues, um, privacy issues. Um, you know, I'm, I'm probably probably telling too much on this case in the sense probably tax issues, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, that all makes sort of sense to me. The argument is, is that these people feel that they still have anonymity at this point, that the government doesn't have all of their information and details. Uh, I, have a, I have a tendency not to agree with that. <laughs> You know, it's the same sort of maybe somewhat naive or delusional thinking when uh, the anti-vaxxers were, you know, worried about being chipped for the for the, the virus and so forth. I don't want to be tracked by the government. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you got a fucking cell phone. You know, uh, if somebody wants you, they got you. If you got it, they got that device. You're there. And so anytime you you sign up for some sort of app. And, you know, like the old um, South Park skit of Steve Jobs and, you know, the human centipede of why won't it read? 
is most people don't read what they're agreeing to and they give these apps permissions on their phone. And one of the one of the major platforms right now that's you know pretty hot, people don't realize that uh, as they're looking into their phone, it's looking at them. And it's using a very sophisticated type of uh, facial recognition to sort of uh, develop a pattern of your face in response to content. And so it can say, ah, it can calculate, like, you watch this content. And obviously, if you watch someone uh, repeatedly or watch their videos for the full length of the time and make comments and so forth, you're, you're adding into the database that it's collecting on you. And it's really easy for them to determine sort of uh, what content to serve you after a while. And again, uh, for me, splitting uh, profiles and sort of having one that is um, maybe on the white side and one that's on the dark side, uh, I've noticed how the approach is different because I was trying to trying to play around with the analytics a little bit for understanding. Again, I'm not I'm not trying to blow up or anything. I'm just I have no interest in that. Um, and obviously, you can tell by how many people participate or follow in what I'm doing. And so that's not my focus. My focus is to, is to connect to specific people exactly who are interested in this kind of thing and try to maybe educate and also learn and uh, develop some concepts around that. So you, you've got your platform. It is, you're watching it. It's watching you. It's, you're learning about it. It's learning about you. And so you're in this kind of symbiotic uh, relationship, but not necessarily beneficial to you. You're getting the short end of the stick. Uh, and so, of course, they put some, some carrot on the stick, uh, offering, you know, chances to make money and so forth. But, you know, the amount of hassle it, it sort of presents in a lot of ways for some people is the fact that, you know, your fans are going to have to spend X amount so you can make Y amount. And I mean, why amount is better than no amount. I understand that. But simultaneously, when you're doing that, you're sort of empowering the system that's kind of got its hands around your throat, especially if you don't agree with their policy. So, yeah, it's a love-hate relationship, definitely. Um, and how you balance that out for yourself, I understand. So in my rabbity-ass mind, the easiest solution, of course, would be to, you know, split the platform uh, for age restriction. They don't want to do that. They don't want to do that because they're going to sort of, one, it would be probably uh, a bit of a hassle for them, uh, which when they look at probably risk versus reward or cost analysis or data analysis, uh, they've already made the conclusion that that's not going to work for them. So it's going to be much easier to sort of cull and um, guide the users to fit into how they want to mold them to keep the platform um, engaging and uh, growing without those sort of uh, restrictions and, and sort of double standards and, and tongue-in-cheek policy bans and efforts um, it's going to be a challenge for sure the irony of course is that when it comes to sws is that when we think about any of, of sort of the disruptive technology that's come through um, since the 80s, <laughs> think about the quote from Tropic Thunder when the guy was talking about the difference between beta and VHS, and he was actually telling the truth in this case. It was that, you know, the reason why it took off is because uh, 
it was the platform, uh, VHS was the easier platform for pornography to distribute. You know, it's, it goes back all the way to the, the invention of the camera. After the first camera was invented, it only took about, you know, three days before there was nudie postcards on the street of France. There is that, that component of, of the male sort of sexuality that really is visual. It's, uh, you know, if we look at the, at the data on what turns men on and so forth, we will see large stripes uh, related to uh, being a voyeur. Um, again, man is the observer of all things that we just also, as males, also take it in consideration as part of our sexuality, I guess, literally in this case. And so that visual component is, uh, you know, pretty strong for a lot of, of, of users of these uh, kind of platforms. Um, and when it comes to pornography, obviously, being a visual medium, um, which has low vibration, low frequency, okay? It's very sort of base, right? Um, having that aspect of it means that it, it promotes websites, it promotes technology and so forth because it already has a dedicated usership. It already has a built-in, you know, a following. You know, the medium is the message, right? And, or the medium is the massage in this case. And so the medium itself is, is really what the message is, is that people that um, are interested in these things are going to go for the technology or the source that's going to be easiest for them to access. So platforms are, you know, they, they have the benefit of all this sort of information and knowledge, and they realize that, you know, SWs can fill their numbers and, and get their platform launched and drag their followers in with them. And then they basically, you know, cull them. They sort of go through somewhat like a Salem witch trial, it seems like. That's what it feels like. Yeah, that's what I'm going to call it. It's a type of, it's a type of, you know, witch trial for sure, where people are being persecuted for uh, what they do and who they are because it doesn't fit in with the, the scheme of, of what they want to happen, uh, the other side. And I feel bad for this uh, aspect of it because obviously, you know, a lot of people are, are doing it to survive at this point. And of course, the market is, is in flux constantly. Uh, you know, is it a sustainable thing? I don't think so. Um, hopefully, um, people are, are sort of leveling up in other ways. You know, how long can you carry it on unless you have a really dedicated following that will follow you through, you know, thick and thin over many years and so forth. So, uh, yes, you can get new users or new uh, viewers. You can always be generating that through content. But again, um, if you really want to get successful, you're going to have to have other sources of revenue, multiple sources of revenue. And so I understand why some people make snide comments and complaints and come after uh, these people because they think they're taking the easy way out um, by providing a service um, at a low frequency for some people. It's low frequency, I think, for, for the user. I think it's a bit of a higher frequency for the producer because they obviously are going to be challenged by emotion and culture, their family, their friends, the stigma, the everything that can be going on and and it's it's unfortunate um that we sort of uh, treat them this way 
that we demonize them, but we don't really have a good track record anyway for, for taking care of, of workers, especially uh, those that are marginalized. It, the system doesn't, doesn't do well with that. And I know people argue against it. I know there's entire, you know, shows on fucking Fox network, whatever it is, that crap where, you know, people make these arguments against this and, and rail against it and fire up their, their slack jaw followers into thinking about how terrible it is. It's just not true in this case. We have somehow in the process of getting to this point, the neo-tribalism that, that we've always sort of had anyway has been exaggerated and exacerbated by these digital platforms because we can have these different rabbit holes and niches where you can find people that have somewhat like mine, which is useful in some ways. But take it with a grain of salt, as they say, please. Um, try to keep sort of one foot in a reality beyond the digital realm as digital natives. For us as digital adaptives, it's sort of already built in um, because, again, we come from a world that, that this technology or this phenomenon wasn't present. We've had to adapt to it. And I'd say that, that as a species, we're actually all still adapting to it. We don't know what the full effects or extensions are from uh, what has happened with having social media sort of be the dominant form now of communication and entertainment. This, of course, is why a lot of people are freaked out for Elon Tusk taking a bite out of uh, Twitter now. Uh, you know, is this guy going to be good as far as the stewardship for having um, free speech or dialogue? Are they going to go the same route? Are they going to purge a lot of uh, voices that don't sort of agree with their positioning. Uh, you know, if you say something bad about Tesla, does that mean you're going to get booted from the platform? The good thing is, for me, Tesla has is, is always been present in my life, um, but it's Nikolai. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> And I've been recently been experimenting with a, a the Tesla coil uh, in a in a plasma globe, trying to understand uh, if I can positively charge electrons uh, in um, in vapor or smoke and so forth. Um, and that way, we have a way of of imbibing positive electrons. I was I was told as a child by Captain Galloway that. Uh, many sort of climate control units in Las Vegas uh, pump in positive uh, electrons into the casino floor and they do it negative in the hotel room. Uh, I've heard this, I've heard this stuff before from other people as well. And so it's absolutely anecdotal. I have no, no basis in, in understanding if this is true, but based only on my own personal experience, I'd have to say that yes, many of the hotel rooms, especially in the older casinos, which there aren't many left, were very garish and, and make you really uncomfortable to be in the room. 
And then you always felt better if you went down on the casino floor, uh, even though it was, you know, smoky and jokey and noisy and cranky, whatever else. But it, that's that's the, the vibe, you know. And so it's kind of changed in some aspects. I think the last time I stayed at the, the Cosmopolitan, you know, my room was actually pretty nice, pretty decent. I didn't feel like I had to, to, to get out of there because it was too garish or anything like that. It was actually it suited me pretty well. And so kudos to them for having good rooms. Um, the other aspect of, of positively charging electrons, I kind of want to understand if it is beneficial, that there is some sort of health benefit to me, to it. I would suggest that there is because I've got um, a little bit of, uh, you know, sort of the pins and needles that the, comes with the neuropathy uh, from injuries. And occasionally, you know, it's like a, a bolt of lightning goes through my hand and, it, you know, it seizes up or whatever else. And so I've been playing around with uh, positive electrons when these sort of things happen. And, and there does seem to be some relief. Now, it could be a placebo effect that happens, right? But even the placebo effect is, is effective. Uh, if it helps you to give you some sort of relief, then that's a good thing. And today was one of those days that I, I thought, yeah, I definitely need like a red light. Uh, I used to use one in... in my flat in Guangzhou, I don't have one here, so I made sure to get a red light. Um, red light therapy was something that, that was introduced to me when I used to visit my chiropractor a long time ago. And basically, it's just a UV light that goes over the injury. And, and because of the wavelength, it's able to sort of penetrate uh, the skin and sort of heats up the area, which is nice because sometimes I, I do like uh, the injuries to be you know heated. Um, I saw somebody, they had a red light uh, face wand. And they said it was really good for uh, wrinkles and uh, pores and so forth like that. So there's there's definitely something to that. I mean, there's red light therapy uh, at Planet Fatness, which was the, the gossip today when I went to the gym. I usually chat up the, the staff there because, uh, you know, it's, I don't have any friends, so I got to talk to somebody, right, besides you guys. <laughs> so I... Uh, I always ask like, hey, did, you know, did you find anything strange in the gym? Because, you know, sometimes you get a, a good story out of them, you know, something that they found. Um, and so, uh, yeah, nothing big. And then finally she had to think a little bit. And then she remembered, oh, well, I could tell you about the pubes that I find in the tanning booth. <laughs> okay, I'm dead. Um, just the way she said it cracked me up in that sense. But, uh, uh, you know, they've got the red light uh, the vibrating sort of foot pad table thing that you stand in and then gives you red light therapy. Uh, you know, you use it on occasion. It feels pretty good. I definitely try to use it in the wintertime here in the Pacific Northwest because, you know, the, it is a type of uh, a light light therapy. Now, in the process of looking for a red lamp, I also saw that they <laughs> this funny little thing. And I think I might get it. I think I might try it anyway. Um, and it's basically, it's, it's two red lights that go up your nose. <laughs> And, of course, no one's buying it because it's too weird of a product. Um, but, you know, what if it's, that's the thing, right? And so I think I will try it. I will experiment with it. And that's the thing. I like experimenting with these different sort of uh, therapies and ideas and, and whatever else. I don't mind exploring. Um, there's only one way to really find out, right? You know, uh, you know, wisdom comes from experience. And experience comes from having no wisdom. I mean, you got to do dumb shit to find out <laughs> whether or not it's worth a damn for doing. And so that's the other point here is that, you know, 
don't worry so much about uh, trying to uh, boost yourself on social media. It just doesn't matter. You know, the real deal is, is, is who you are and what values that you have that are, that are out there. And if that's what you are sharing, then I think the right kind of people will find you. Granted, I understand people are trying to turn this into some kind of living. Um, I, I would suggest that that's probably not a good idea. You have to have multiple revenue streams. Um, just like you have to have multiple approaches when you're trying to lose weight and trying to work out. Uh, you will plateau. You will get stuck. So you constantly have to adapt. And so something like being stuck in the, in the Japanese uh, samurai <laughs> TV series wormhole, <laughs> um, you've got to get out of it occasionally, right? And so watching the movie Metal Lords last night brought me some joy. And I'm sharing it with you because I, I hopefully you'll get a chance to watch it and, and also get a little bit of joy out of it. A little bit of, little bit of serotonin and a little bit of dopamine, um, especially if you like metal music. There's also appearances in there from uh, uh, Scotty and from Anthrax. Uh, Tom Morello, I think, was the music director. Uh, he's in there. Uh, Rob Halford uh, with, his, with his leather and his long-ass beard right now. The only Rob Halford story that I have was uh, working at Leo's Exxon um, in Tempe, Arizona. And at that time, we had a self-service station and we had a, a full-service island, right? So people come in. Occasionally, you have to go over and pump people's gas. Uh, this was not too far down from uh, ASU campus. So uh, you just get, we used to get a lot of different kind of people in there, students. And then if someone was playing nearby, sometimes they'd come. Anyway, this guy comes ripping in in a, in a, a convertible uh, car, music's blaring, you know. So I go to, to fill up his gas, you know, guy's polite, whatever, gives me a tip, yada, yada. I go back to the booth, and they said, oh, my God, you know who that was? And I said, you mean that gay guy? No, he's not gay. That's Rob Halver from Judas Priest. I'm like, he's sitting in this car with, like, a pair of little leather shorts <laughs> driving around Phoenix. Um so, you know, I didn't, that's just before he came out. So I just got that vibe from him that he was a little fruity and I didn't, I didn't recognize him and who he was. And so uh, my buddy was like really pissed off by the fact that I said, I think that guy's gay. And so when he finally came out, I thought, oh, okay, there you go. Uh, so justified. Anyway, he was cool. He's cool. He is cool. Judas Priest is cool. Uh, if you want to be gay, that's cool too. I don't have a problem with that. So it's all good. The point, of course, is uh, to try to enjoy what you're doing, when you're doing it, and how you're doing it, and just keep doing it until it feels like it's the right thing. And if it's not, then change your change your approach, change your tact, adjust your fire. Not everything is going to be a bullseye every time. You're going to fail. You're going to fall. You are going to be pushed in the corner sometimes you'll be pushed to your limits you will get yourself in situations and that will be somewhat overwhelming and and you will be confused concerned sad lost i mean just everything you can think of Th these things are going to happen what what matters is what you're going to do about it you have to act and what that action is, is, is going to be important. 
And sometimes the action is no action. I also understand that. And sometimes we also need to take that under consideration, which is uh, not to be instantly reactive. There is a lot to be said about stoicism, of course. Uh, for myself, it's, it's not something that I can do effectively. Uh, I'm still very much uh, chaotic sometimes with my EQ. Um, and it's, it's a work in progress. It's something I will have to consider um, to try to develop mastery over. And maybe that is, that is my, my pursuit in this incarnation, is to master uh, that aspect of it. And when I say master, I'm not necessarily mean control. When I say master, I'm like using it in the sense of like, you know, martial arts. Um, you know, martial arts masters, true martial art masters, know that sometimes you can be defeated. Again, it's how you respond to defeat. How do you respond to these situations? What action do you take? Do you recover? Do you get back up? Do you turn around? Do you flee? Do you run? Do you, you know, do the same thing over and over and over again with the same shitty result? That's the definition of insanity, right? So if you don't, if you don't succeed at first, then try again, but try it a little bit differently. That's important. And, and be willing to live outside of, of the time frame in the sense that don't put the pressure of these cultural sort of timelines upon yourself. There's no need to, to put on that yoke. Meaning, don't feel like, well, I, I didn't do this at this age and I need to do this at that age. It doesn't matter. Don't play that game. You'll, you'll get caught up in the whole FOMO, fear of missing out. And then you're always going to be reactive and you're always going to be chasing the next thing without having a way of managing or mastering sort of the primary elements that are important for yourself. And what that is, you have to discover for yourself. Right? It's not something that I can discover for you. Uh, especially when I'm on my own quest for my own discovery. Can you have allies? Sure. Can you have, have people join you on your quest? Why not? Even better if it's possible. But the ultimate goals are going to be individualized because we're not going together. We might go at the same time, but where we end up is not going to be in the same place. So take that under consideration. Uh, sometimes when you are on a quest for some, with someone for a very long time in a long-term relationship, you may get to the point where you want to continue to soldier on. But maybe you're at a fork in the road in that relationship. Now, I know Yogi Berra said that uh, when you get to the fork in the road, take it. <laughs> Which means just, just go. <laughs> They pick one and just go and see what happens. And I think that's probably pretty good advice. In the real sense, if you're ever lost, uh, you know, out in the woods or even in the city in some urban area in a new place or whatever else, and you come to a crossroads, turn around. Make a U-turn. Because if you're trying to get to civilization or to the center, the gooey center of wherever you're at, then the roads uh, will not sort of 
diverge. They will converge. And so when you get to a fork, that's a divergence, right? It means that you have to pick one way or the other or several ways. Uh, so if you turn around, that's a convergence, meaning that the roads or the tributaries or whatever else are going into the main source. And so that's the key here is to get to the main source for yourself on your quest. And if you have your allies with you, that's fine as well. And that's the physical aspect of a fork on the road. But in the metaphorical sense or the in the sort of analogy here is take action. You know, whatever your decision is going to be, just try it. You can you can recover for the most part if you don't uh, destroy yourself in the process. You might burn the bridge behind you, but just use that to light the way. Uh, in some cases, you have to do that in order to light the way. And going back to this aspect of, of a long-term relationship where you get to the point where you are definitely always zigging and they are always zagging. And if you can't get to a, a center point where you can zig and zag together, then yes, you're going to be like me, <laughs> sitting here talking to you instead of talking to the LTR. And that's the way it's going to be for now. And it probably should be that way uh, until I feel like I am fit for human consumption. Uh, right now, mm, still a bit raw, like sushi, baby. Which always uh, reminds me of Nina Cherry. Buffalo Girls and the Buffalo Stance. You know what I mean? Find those things that keep you going and do that. And when you get tired of it, find something else and do that. <laughs> but keep doing. Uh, I've, got, I've got runny nose. I, the stack that I've put together for Sarmageddon has uh, a pretty heavy dose of Yohimbine HCI. Uh, Yohimbine HCI, of course, is the uh, the salt made from uh, Yohimbine bark. And so uh, it definitely will, will get my sinuses going a little bit. Um, kind of like, kind of like eating something spicy, really. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but it doesn't feel that way but it just makes makes my nose runny so pardon me for having the sniffles the yohimbine sniffles um i use yohimbine as again as a cns stimulant to help with uh, weight loss the same way you would like if you had green tea or caffeine or something like that it's pretty effective for me a lot of people don't like it because it, it is pretty strong um, especially in higher doses but i find it uh, fairly effective when I use it. Uh, the other thing in the stack uh, that we had for Sarmageddon, of course, is my old favorite, which is S23, which is a, uh, a SARM, which um, it was originally designed as a male contraceptive. Uh, S23 has always been effective for me in training cycles. Uh, and it's also seems to be more effective for women as well. Um, the efficacy of it is as a PED seems to be better for female um, athletes or lifters that are using enhanced protocols for their training, which is odd because, again, it was designed as a, as a male um, contraceptive. 
in higher doses as a male, what I notice is that it does uh, seem to shrink the prostate. And so it can feel like um, it's difficult to urinate. Um, and so that does happen when you, when you start a cycle, but it, it seems to go away after a few days. And so we're a few days in on this Sarmageddon cycle. So S23 at a sort of high dose along with the Yohimbine HCI. And then, of course, 909 is the uh, SARM that is uh, stenobolic, which only has about a four and a half, four hour more or less uh, half-life, meaning that it's when you take it, you get about four hours to get the most out of it. And uh, stenobolic is uh, pretty cool in the sense that it, it, it gives you a good, sort of hard pump, not the same way that a lot of nitrogen does, but it has some other effects in that way. And so uh, when you're lifting weights, you know, it just it makes those pumps a lot tighter. Now, I know some people uh, don't like these kind of concepts or like this idea. They prefer to be natty, and I don't have a problem with that. For me, I'm, I'm always a bit of a super knot and a psycho knot, and I'm always willing to sort of experiment and try to find out if there is some way to enhance or to augment um, my mood, my my physical uh, physicality, my physical self, I guess, um, because all those things will also enhance other aspects uh, in the mental side and the spiritual side, and obviously now on the social side because I'm telling you about what's in it. Uh, I take those uh, on a cycle. And, of course, uh, you know, I'm still running um, HRT, which I have a prescription for. And so that seems to be pretty useful for putting on um, muscle mass and holding on to it, especially in a um, pretty extreme cutting deficit um, for calories. And that's where I'm at as I'm, I'm under fairly reduced uh, calorie restriction currently. Um, pretty much it's intermittent fasting, um, but not trying to max out in my window. Usually I just eat the, the largest meal of the day is probably later in the evening because I'm on the overnight schedule. And so I'm throughout the day, if, if I do break my fast, um, it's probably going to be something that's really clean and healthy. So otherwise I don't feel like I'm, I'm blowing it. Uh, my calorie burn essentially is at about 4,500 um, per day. That's my target. And so if I exercise um, on this stack, it seems to hit that target pretty easily. I don't have to worry too much about making that target. And so the intake, of course, is uh, you know probably less than 3,000 calories. Anything below that will make me feel pretty flat at my size now. So, of course, you have to adjust as you're changing your body and uh, try to avoid any sort of high processed food as much as possible. Uh, sugars, uh, not too heavy on uh, sort of carbohydrates that are gross. Anything that I have carb-wise is going to be probably uh, have a low sort of GI, uh, you know, sweet potatoes, that kind of thing. If I have rice, then I put it in the refrigerator to to augment its ability to be a resistant starch, those kind of things. So I'm always sort of conscious of, of doing these little 
bits because they've been effective in the past. And again, I wouldn't know unless I lost 100 pounds before, which I did. And I thought after a while I felt pretty good and I was going to keep going down. And there was, there was this part of me that thought, okay, if I just let off on the gas here, and so let's just see what happens. And then, of course, you put the weight back on. It creeps up again. Um, going through what I've been through the last couple of years, the amount of cortisol that I'm able to, to generate doesn't help as well. And so now I'm in, a, in sort of a cortisol-free situation on my own because I don't, I don't sort of uh, focus and, and uh, hyperfixate on, on, on what's going on you know, around me with, you know, my partner and so forth. And so, um, I'm more relaxed and I get the benefit of that. And so it's pretty easy for me to, to focus in the past. I would just go off and train for, you know, six or eight weeks. And, and that was pretty good because I could cut it down and put on muscle and so forth. Um, now I'm just trying to take it all the way to the end. So I'm, I'm in the next part of losing another 100 pounds, and I'm already down 60 pounds. So I got 40 pounds for the, to the next target. So instead of bouncing back up, we're going to try to keep going down. We're at about three, what is it, about under 330 now, and uh, we want to get under 300. We want to get to about 290, so we'll see how that goes. It's going to require lots of hydration, um, good good quality food. Whole food is, is more important than sort of all the other stuff. Um, yeah, supplementation is a big part of what I do. Make sure that I'm having lots of activity as much as, as I can handle for pain tolerance. Um, definitely got to get more into uh, the habit of stretching and doing the yoga and the Pilates that I that I always put off. Uh, I know I shouldn't. I'm just so bad about that. So maybe I can, with your help, maybe I can be inspired to do that to make sure. I mean, I don't like stretching too much or, uh, when I go to lift weights. Usually my cardio is kind of my warm up. And then after a while, I'll, I'll break that up, which is I'll do X amount of minutes to warm up, go lift a few sets and then come back to the machine and then go back around. And so I don't try to do somewhat the same thing all of the time. Because, again, the body is so amazing, it, it adapts so quickly that you, you don't sort of get the benefits of the effort. So it's really important to mix things up as much as possible. Uh, that's why things like, you know, other sports, uh, it's why people love CrossFit because it's always a, a lot of variety. It's extremely intense, high-intensity training. Um, but there's some limitations in, in some ways for that type of training for some people. Some people, it's amazingly effective, and I know we make fun of, of people that do CrossFit, but you can't you can't deny sort of uh, their physical physical ability, their physicality. I suppose it's effective, and so uh, I'm always curious about what they're doing, and and I try to adapt some of those aspects to high intensity training that work for me. Um, the variety is, is, I think, a key point of, of of that aspect of it, and I always love watching the the Reebok stuff anyway. There's some amazing athletes in there uh, going through gauntlets and stuff, and I, I got a lot of respect for that as well. Uh, I don't watch a lot of sports for entertainment, but I do watch 
world's strongest man, of course. And, uh, you know, anything with powerlifting, weightlifting and, uh, CrossFit kind of stuff is always amazing to me. Um, because that's, that's where I like to dance. I mean, I like to pick up heavy things and, um, think that I have some sort of special physical ability, uh, because of that. Now, mobility, not so much. And so that's what I've been trying to work on, um, recently in the last few years, as well as realizing that as I get older, the quality of life is going to be extremely reflected on my mobility, uh, being able to just get up and get down and walk around and so forth. And so that is going to be something that, I want to continue to work on. So uh, a lot of, a lot of things in the air here, obviously, uh, again, recommending the uh, movie on Netflix, uh, metal Lords uh, for a little bit of lighthearted entertainment and fun. If you like metal music, uh, if you've got a plasma lamp, which has a Tesla coil in it, uh, dust it off, play around with it a little bit. Try, try charging yourself. Let me know your results. See if, if you have anything, that you've noticed uh, sort of uh, putting your, your fingers or your, uh, your, your ailments uh, near a plasma uh, globe and charging it with positive electrons. Uh, if you've got red light therapy, I'm down for that. Let me know. I'd be curious about that as well, what your comments or your observations would be. Uh, social media, of course, uh, Gluck Gluck 9000. You know, um, it's a love-hate relationship. Uh, and so any concepts or ideas that you have on or reflections on social media, I'm also curious about. And um, anything to do with uh, weightlifting, uh, diet, nutrition, longevity, any of that stuff, also down for that pretty much. Uh, I want to hear it all and I want to talk about it all. And I've talked to uh, a lot of people in the past and I've got some recordings that I'm still kind of sorting through here um, and trying to... Uh, categorize them so that we can use them for the benefit of, of sharing their knowledge and their expertise. And uh, I think that'll be fun as well. That being said, I'm going to, I'm going to have some uh, much needed uh, hydration here after the gym and I'm going to prepare for a lecture online and go from there and uh, probably have a little bit of fun tonight in, uh, in my mind, <laughs> sitting down in the sesh in the basement with weird lights on and, and crawling and combing through the internet and trying to find something that is stimulating. <laughs> Hopefully this helped for you as well. And thanks for uh, listening. It's helpful for me. I appreciate it. If you have any questions, you have any comments, you have any ideas, I'm pretty easy to find. Hit me up. And if you'd like to have a conversation as well, book a slot. I'll talk to you. Let's find out what you think of all of this. Take care. Be good to yourself. Don't forget to check out the store at WhiteBat Audio or WhiteBat.com for music packs. <laughs>